Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts, influencers, dreamers, and doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create. Hey, it's Rich Langton here, and I'm so glad that you've joined us for another episode. Today, we're going to jump into one of those topical-based episodes for you that we talked about at the start of the year. Whenever I talk to people about creative teams and about building a creative team, one of the things that comes up over and over again is how do you build a creative culture? How do you develop culture and a strong culture within a creative team? Or how do you keep a creative culture going? How do you keep the momentum with that? So today, I'm speaking with Mashiri Gatiri, who heads up our creative production department, and also Annie Garrett, who's one of our worship leaders and key leaders within Creative. And we have a discussion about how we at Hillsong Creative have built and developed and maintain our own creative culture. Obviously, it's built on our church culture from Hillsong Church, and that comes from Pastor Brian and Bobby. But we get into the nuts and bolts of how we do that as a team. Let's jump into it. Here we are on a Thursday night. We've just had team night. I'm here with Mashiri Gatiri and Annie Garrett, and Hello, uh, thank you for coming in. Hey, it's Thanks good to see you. We are happy to be here. You guys are great. <laughs> so recently we asked the listeners if they had questions for our team, and a whole bunch of them came back around the, er- the issue or the area of culture and how to build culture or how to change culture within a creative team, you know, particularly within a church context. And so I thought you guys are great at setting culture and helping us to develop culture and, you know, keep a strong culture here at Hillsong Creative. And so thought you'd be great to come and answer some of the questions. Pastor Brian often will, if he's talking about culture here at church or within our staff team or whatnot, he'll, he will say something like, you can't build or you don't build a culture, you be a culture. Mm-hmm. So you have right. to be the culture that you want to see. So maybe, Mush, do you want to just kick us off by just sharing about your perspective on that, on being the culture? I guess it's, culture is one of those things, like I think the statement implies that it's got to be modelled rather than, you know, I guess you don't teach it. You just modeling and by, yeah. by just the way you carry yourself and the way you do life, church life, to be honest, so you just do the life in general, that mm. hopefully speaks volumes. And at least I've learned anyway, that that speaks more volumes than anything you could ever legislate and anything you could ever document on paper in terms of do's, don'ts and, and all that kind of stuff. I mm. think it's people watch you live life and the results of it. And that in itself, I feel like does become what people adopt as culture because I guess in mm-hmm. some ways they see what the outcomes are and why they would rather, why they would want to yeah. adopt a certain way of living and a certain mm-hmm. way of carrying themselves. So I feel like it's almost like you almost start with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. People see what, I guess, what a, a healthy culture yields and they look at the person and how they live and walk and do their life. And that is what I guess becomes perpetuated, mm-hmm. the way people carry themselves on a team. Right. So yeah, I don't know, that's, my very basic understanding of it. When did you feel like, or have you realized that you carry the Hillsong kind of culture? I don't know if I do go like, oh, I've got it, or whether it's a constant measuring myself against the things that I know we value. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily, or for me anyway, I don't necessarily go, oh, cool, I've got it now, let's just walk it out. Mm-hmm. I think it's more going at every step and with every decision and with every, you know, I don't know, meeting anything I'm responsible for, Mm. if I'm constantly measuring it against this pre-established set of values that Pastor Brian has set in place, I guess that in a sense keeps me honest. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. And I guess hopefully consequently the team honest Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. Maybe that's my approach anyway. Yeah. yeah. I feel like for me, I thought coming to our church 20-something years ago, I already know. Like I've seen, mm. I looked, you know, right. been to conference, Hillsong Conference and visited church before. And I guess I thought that I could see what the culture was by looking from the outside. Mm. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But right. it's not until you actually become part of the fabric of the church and the right. community that yeah. maybe you start to exemplify some of the things that make up who we are. It's interesting, like, if I can ask, hmm. from the outside looking in, what should culture look like? You said you saw this from the outside looking in and saw a certain picture. Not necessarily a bad picture, just a picture. Hmm. What should that picture be then? Like, I guess if in terms of culture, what is it and what should it be? Uh, in our instance, yeah. you know, obviously Brian and Bobby have a picture of what a Sunday service looks like. Right. And therefore, as a result of that, there's probably characteristics, things that we do in order to create an environment that reflects what they're looking yeah. for. Mm -hmm. And then that being those characteristics is what the culture ends right, up being. Right, right, And so it's things like if we can say that excellence matters, mm. then it's the outworking of, of yeah, that fair, where okay. the rubber hits the road, I suppose. Yeah. But, Annie, you've been around forever as well <laughs> here. How do you feel like the culture at Hillsong Church has changed from when you first came many years ago to now? I think we have like some things that haven't changed and never will, mm -hmm. but I guess we have evolved as a church. And so, which means we have changed some of the way we do things or do new things. And so the home base is always, why are we doing that? Mm. So that's what I always come back to, whether it's, this is something that we've done in our services for 20 years, still going, okay, but why are we doing it? Because if I'm not thinking right. about why I'm doing it, I'm just going to do it. And mm. it's going to become like formula. Mm -hmm. And right. then if we suddenly, it's the same thing. It's if we, ch sometimes we change the way we do things or like as we've grown, we've had to mm. change. And, but it's still that same question. It's okay, we're doing it this way. Mm. Why? Does yes. everyone understand right. why we're doing that? Because if you know the why, it will oh, change good. how you do it. But if yeah. you don't know the why, you're just going to do it. Yeah, and yeah. it's not going to really mm. be fulfilling the purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because, again, when I first came to our church as a visitor, mm. I took away the the formula, if you like, the right. the songs or the mm. the style of worship or the, you know, doing run one, sheet. Yeah, the run sheet in <laughs> yeah. a sense. And I know other churches have come visited and looked at the blue walls or the, you know, the dark lighting yeah. or the way the seating's set up or not, and they take that back. And those things are, I guess, part of what builds a culture, mm. but they're not the heart of it really. And I, like you're saying, maybe the why do you set up the seats that way or why is it? that color or why right. do you run the service a certain way that really is the heart of the heart of it is what builds the culture or where the culture really exists yeah and we i think we have found we do those things because of certain values that we have mm -hmm. but it i don't know other people's churches it's not just a formula that you would follow because if mm -hmm. you didn't know right. it might yeah. not reflect what you're trying to see happen in your services right. so yeah. you actually right. have to figure out what do we want? What do we want to see happen? What do mm. we value? And okay, mm. as a culture, we're modeling going to lead us there. So yeah. it's not like a one size fits all. Yeah, yeah. On the surface, you see a run sheet, you see color of the wall, you see a seating setup, and you see a sound, like a certain sound. Mm. And so you read that. And so for myself, like I've been here for a while now. And so I can look at those things and give instructions to my team to deliver those things. Right. Right. But if I stop at that, and never get to defining why the run sheet looks like that, why mm -hmm. the walls are the way, the, the color they are, why the seating setup is that way, why I, I would love the lighting, the audio and everything, and the stage to look a certain way. Mm. If it's only ever delivered in the sense of 
give me these outcomes, mm. then I feel like you could stand the chance to lose the culture because then people now begin doing activities with no reason, mm. you know, in that sense, because like, you know, like Annie said, some of these things change. But now if people are attached to the thing they do and not why of what they do, mm. then it becomes very difficult later when you want to progress and develop a team and mm. change direction or grow and innovate because now people are attached to the thing and not the why behind the thing. Yeah. And that's, I think, the dangerous thing. And I think for myself, I've got to remember, just because I know it doesn't mean that the team I'm leading knows it. Mm. And so I've got to extend my conversation beyond the the look of the lighting yes. or the run sheet, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. So we've got a bunch of questions from listeners mm. around culture and I figure what I might do is throw them out there and you guys can speak to them and I'll, I'll add some thoughts as well as we go. So the first question that we have is from Chels and it says, where do you start when culture needs to be recreated? So obviously all the time, I guess reading you know, in between the lines of the question, there's going to be a culture no matter what, mm. right? Well, that's true. Yeah, so right. what if you've come into a leadership position in a team and you realise it's not the culture that you want or that you think is befitting the team? What do you do? Annie, I feel like you've been in that situation <laughs> before. Go, Annie. You've got to figure out what it is you do want. If you know we don't want that, well, where do we want to go? Right. And you have to clarify where that is. And I think – and that's not an overnight thing because steering – culture. I mm. think some things are quick and some things take a while for people yeah. to get on the same page as you. Mm. But I think people just need, like even just with all our teams, like a practical thing like our vocal team mm. or our musicians, th at some point when they're introduced to our team, they know what the expectation is. Right. This is what it means to be a musician on mm -hmm. our platform. Not just this is what you play, but this is as people and as this is why we serve and why we volunteer, like they have an understanding of what the expectation is. Mm. I think when people don't know what it is, there's nothing to rise to and you can't measure, are we there or are we not there? So I think yeah. you've got to establish if this isn't where you want to be, where is it that you do want to be right. and begin to model it mm. and to speak about it mm. and share that vision. But you've got to, if you don't model it, people won't have, be able to follow it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And lots of that will depend on you as the leader, right? Right. So I guess if people are not where you want to be or if the team is not where you want it to be, I guess I would start by looking at myself and going, right. hey, like I? you said, what do I want? But mm. who am I? Yeah. Am I worth following and worth <laughs> listening to? And am I communicating clearly? And am I doing it in a grace-filled kind of way? Right. Or am I de being demanding and expecting perhaps something of them that I wouldn't do myself? Right. There's a whole bunch of inner stuff to look at even before you have any expectations on the team mm. but maybe once you get that stuff right and clarified then mush how can you communicate clearly to the team and is that a once-off thing or you know obviously i'm leading here but, but yeah yeah i think also it's certainly not a one-time thing for various reasons first of all there's always new people coming onto the team secondly i think mm. as human beings i've heard it once said before like a lot of the stuff in life that we know what we need to do in life, we need more reminding that we need instructing. Mm. So we need to keep informing our people because church life looks like, especially for us here, there's a lot of outcomes expected at the, the front line. Mm. And I think without the constant reminder of what's actually driving us to, towards those outcomes, mm. we get enamored and maybe even just, I guess, consumed with the actual outcome and park ourselves there. Yeah, And so... But that can never sustain you. Mm. When the work gets hard and, you know, you've got to try again and you've mm. got to, you know, 
what keeps you going is understanding why you're doing what you're doing and that mm-hmm. culture that you've embedded into your team mm-hmm. of why we're here. Yeah. And why we care. Yeah. Why are we doing this for the third time? Why are mm-hmm. we doing this for the hundredth time? Yeah. It's because it has value mm-hmm. for the next person who's coming. Or, you know, just that yeah. value and reinforcing. Mm-hmm. It's just that reminder because human nature tells me that in time, things get eroded yeah. when they get neglected. Mm-hmm. Or if we're not reminded, we do forget. Mm-hmm. So I think in the in the business of church life, it makes absolute sense. We do everything. There's ev- everything else in church, almost everything else in church life mm-hmm. gets repeated and gets done. And yeah. if there's anything worth repeating, surely enough, it's the culture and the why we do what we do. Yeah. So I feel like always doing that will always get us in a place where people actually can work hard, mm-hmm. but with the right foundations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think to speak practically to it as well, that we might, for example, we have team nights on a Thursday night and we might use, say, a season after a break to relaunch yes. That's very, yeah, something. True. If there's an area of culture, we might relaunch a team the new leader and we might have a, like a vision night and mm-hmm. speak really practically really about where we're heading, why it is we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. and the sorts of people that we might want to have involved and we might invite people into that journey so that anything from the past is perhaps left behind, hopefully, right. <laughs> and the yeah. new, like where you're heading can be established. Yeah. And then like you said as well, Mush, that we would then repeat, I guess, a lot of the same messages over and over at team nights on a Thursday night, which um, for those of you who listening who don't know, we would have our team night is a midweek gathering on a Thursday night where we would talk about culture, which emphasises our relationship with Christ and our craft. We would emphasise what it is we're looking for from a cultural perspective when it comes to people's craft. And then again on a Sunday, we have prayer meetings right before every service and we would speak life about the service and pray for the service and tend to reiterate mm. some cultural sort of values yeah. again there as well and, and other places too, but real practically, I guess they'd yeah. be too. All right, so moving on, there's a question from Charity and she says, can you create structures or processes to help with culture? Now, I love charity because I'm all about structures all and about processes. It. Do we use those words still? <laughs> That's right, you, yeah. Did you put this question? <laughs> yeah, I chose this question. That's funny you say that because yes, yeah. uh, obviously I'm married to Cass and she does not like structures or processes, <laughs> but she does like flow. But she does like what they bring. Yes, she yeah. definitely does, yeah. So we flow Realistic, you need structure, right? Yeah. You need some processes. And we have those, although they're not the emphasis. Yeah, I think you're, that's the point I was going to make. I think the idea is they're not king. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing to remember because I think, you know, depending on how you're wired, these things, the structure can become the be all and end all. And so you pursue to get this ultimate structure that will see you achieve everything you need to achieve in, mm-hmm. the, in right order keeping all your resources intact and ticking all the boxes and in time. And like, so you pursue the structure and then in time you find that you're pursuing the structure more than you are why you decided to pursue a structure. Yes. (laughs) So I think the the biggest key, and I know I'm wired this way, is not to let the structure become the driver Mm -hmm. rather than let the structure become servant to what outcomes and what things we want to see happen. Yeah. That's critical. Mm. I think so. Because like Annie, it can become rulesy really yeah. easily, right? Totally. And so then the structure or the rule becomes what you're fighting for right? Mm. instead of the heart of it. Yeah, but I think even the structure can be as simple as like our team night as part of like, you know, the framework that we've put in for our team. It's like it's important yeah. to us to gather once a week around mm. this right. mm-hmm. together. It's yeah. not this like yeah. rigid formula, but it's like things that we put in place because they're important for yes. culture. Yeah, right. 
I think it's great. So then Malia asks this. She'd like us to talk about creating culture from the top down so that it seeps into everyone and every part of the team. It almost speaks for itself. Yeah. That's exactly what you want to do, right? So in, from that perspective, though, what if someone finds himself running a team, creative team or a worship team, and the culture that's coming from their senior pastor or senior leadership is different to what they would like to bring? What do they do? I think that as the creative pastor, if you're a volunteer, what, that you're submitted to your senior pastor and his vision for the church or what he has in mind. So my first question if I was running a creative team would be, what does my senior pastor want to see within our team? Yeah, surely, I guess, I imagine we're not forming anything that's outside of, like when I'm forming my cultural values mm. specific to my team, hopefully they're not being done in isolation. Mm. Hopefully they're being done in light of, whatever has been established either, you know, from mission statements, vision statements, actual, you know, actual cultural values that the, my leadership would have spoken of. Mm. And hopefully I'm deducing my, you know, taking that and distilling it down to the team that I'm responsible for. I don't yeah. know if I should be kind of creating it yeah. at my level. Which is funny that you both answer so strongly on that because yeah. obviously that's a cultural value. Well, yeah, that's, that we totally. have. that's, right, yeah. that's something really strong <laughs> that's in, our, right. in our church that yeah. we have one vision yeah. and it comes from Pastor Brian and Bobby and we outwork that vision right. appropriately within creative, but we don't create our own. Mm-hmm. That's really hard to get your head around though, I think, if you're from a church where that's not the norm, if that's not the culture. So I guess it depends on the circumstance and what the culture of the place is. Maybe it's appropriate for you to have a vision for creative team and maybe the senior leadership is okay with that. Yeah. But I guess either way, what we're saying is you'd want to know what the senior what the culture is, what the senior leadership is, and submit to that rather than just going off on your own I do find whichever it, way it yeah, is. I do find it quite freeing because in a sense it's almost like I don't necessarily need to reinvent it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, like, I think, like, you know, when Pastor Brian has been fed, is is one of the things he's very clear of is, mm. you know, the cultural values. And I think that, in a sense, is actually quite freeing for me as a leader to know that my team needs to be pointing in the direction that he's mm. pointing in. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that sounds really simple, but that's, that's actually the beauty of it, that it is that simple. So I yeah. can do that yeah. and get on with the, with the responsibilities that I have. Yeah. Rather than if the creation of the culture and the setting of the tone is resting with me, mm. I mean, I guess it's doable, that's fine, but it's not nothing necessarily wrong, but mm. it's just, you know, for us, I don't know, it, does, it's, it makes sense when you're in sync with what your leadership is trying to do. Yes, yeah, and it, obviously the, the Bible's clear on where yeah. unity, unity yeah. <laughs> there's blessing in unity. That's right. And yeah. so if you can get on board with, with that, be united in that, then it's going to be best. Even though, so this is an interesting follow-up question, which is from Rich, me, not from someone, yeah. but <laughs> I guess for both of you, have you always been able to just so easily jump on board with the vision or have you had to work on that? I've had to work on it. I mean, some things are a no-brainer for me. It's like, oh, absolutely. Mm. I know why we're doing that. But I think because we have been here a while and so we have changed the way we do some things Mm. and I can remember a season going, why am I finding this really hard? And I think it was because I was just stuck thinking an old way right? and I wasn't seeing the new way yet. And I was Mm. kind of like, this is why we do this. And this is so important because it's been ingrained in me, but it was actually time to go, yeah, that's still important, but this is a new, Mm. we're in a new season. And so, yeah, I I have personally found that I had to like, there was times I had to be like, okay, yeah, get with this. Like learn how to see things differently and value something that maybe you didn't notice before. Yeah. 
I've definitely found that as well, particularly, I guess, being growing up in another church and then coming here as mm-hmm. an adult, just getting my head around and my heart around the vision mm-hmm. and my place in that, realising mm-hmm. that I don't set the vision, that I don't set the culture. I submit to the vision and jump on mm-hmm. board with the culture and I can be a part of it and I can outwork it, but it's not my job to kind of set it in our context. Right. And I think that can then mean that you have to work on humility and I guess, understanding under God where your place is and it's valued, Mm. but it's not necessarily to be the cultural chief. (laughs) Right. I think I said earlier, like this idea where you put your head down and you do the thing you're responsible for. If I was to be really honest, my experience is exactly that, where what I start, you know, at square one, I get the vision and I'm responsible for this and I get going Mm. and I put my head down and I start working and you get absorbed in the thing you're doing Mm. so much so that if the direction changes, now you're more attached to what you're doing right. than to the mm. than to the why you were doing it. Yeah. Right. So now we've got a not I can't. I began the way when I started this, the thing that started me off was mm. this cultural value and this, you know, this vision that, that my leadership gave me. Mm. But now I've been at this for a while. Yeah. I'm really passionate about yeah. it. Yeah, and, you and now we want invested into now, it. Exactly. Mm. And now yeah. we, we want to have a conversation about going in a different direction. Mm. And I'm not so open to it anymore because yes. now, like, but what about this? investment that I've made in this direction. Yeah. yeah. And that's a hard check. I've yes. had a few of those along the way, yeah. just to be really honest, because mm. that's that's the challenge of constantly having a hard, again, we say we repeat these things. That's mm. why you don't just set them the day one mm. and then you hope you've got it and then you just kind of keep carrying on. Yeah. I know I've had to kind of, in a sense, sometimes put myself out of the thing that I think is the be all and end all. Mm. So I can actually ask myself, are you actually still heading in the direction you need to be going? Yeah. As passionate as you, as you are about this, as much effort as you're putting into this, is it the right thing? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that answer sometimes is no. Right. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And from that point of view, it takes a lot of maturity and a lot of, okay, I'm mm. stopping and I'm going the other way. Yeah, yeah. You know? Anyway. That's, and then yeah. as leaders, I guess we, we have the, we're all going through those things sometimes and we have to then model that for the team. Exactly right. Yeah. And sometimes even speak to it. I think we have to exemplify how to work through these things in right. a really healthy way. That's right. And be transparent about it without also wearing your heart on your sleeve yeah. too much. That's and right. Or undermining right. it. We don't want to do this, but yeah. this is what we're doing now, guys. Right. Yeah, yeah, so correct. We got There's to. a definite tone you can take right. yeah. with it that yeah. either adds value right. or just perpetuates the problem. Yeah, and that that lies with you as the yeah. leader, Absolutely. right? And sometimes have to just <laughs> question yourself line. and yeah. Yeah, check yeah. your heart on that. We'll get right back to the episode, brought to you by our Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference. It's for every kind of creative, whether you're a musician, singer, a graphic designer, architect, an audio engineer, or video editor. It's a place for the artists of the church to gather together, to worship, to be inspired and refreshed, and to be equipped and trained for your sphere of creativity. Come be a part of everything happening on site, like the exclusive collabs with practical training from our key Hillsong team. The conference has limited spaces, so if you can't make it to Sydney this year, why not join the online conference experience so you don't miss a moment of the main sessions? Find out more details at hillsong.com forward slash WCC. Now, let's get back to the episode. We've got a whole bunch of sort of more practical questions. People are asking for tips on certain things. So what I might do is just I'll ask, put the question out there and we'll do them real quick. Mm. Is that all right? So Tay asks this, how do the creative team serve each other, the worship team serving the production team and and production serving worship, for example? From a production team, for example, which is kind of the world I'm in, 
I have always said this to our team that we are a service department. And I know that sounds really trivial or maybe even like, well, yeah, but I think I've asked like to lead every conversation, understand that we are a service department. In mm. other words, our leading question is always, how can we help you make this happen? Mm. How can we help you? How can we help you? I think if you lead any conversation with that, it's very difficult. It's, it, it becomes, you almost close the door to any sense of entitlement, any sense of like you serve me or I, I've got my thing to, to get across the line. I yeah. think that's something that I've, we lead with that question. Mm. Like that's a very practical thing. Like literally ask the question, not just like having the back of your mind, like literally mm. ask it and open the dialogue that way. Yeah. yeah. And then from the other perspective, the worship team, I don't, I guess my view on it is that sometimes the people on the platform, not you any, <laughs> but the people on the platform <laughs> might forget about the production team in as much as from a service perspective, not thinking that we're, we're here to do this together. Mm. And so the worship leader might be focused on what they need to do and in a sense feel like, oh, well, they're just here to serve me. Production's here to serve me. Yeah. And in actual fact, it's, it's a partnership, right? I went to one church once. The sound guy didn't like the way the worship leader was doing their thing. And so he yelled out from the sound desk, like in church, to the person <laughs> To correct their approach, I've changed my ways, Rich. It's okay. It wasn't you. <laughs> Look, when you yell at but me, so then, just... but so then the worship leader responds back to oh, the sound cool. desk oh, in, in the middle yeah. of church. I'm like, this is the craziest thing this I've ever seen. It was a classic example of obviously something inappropriate to be happening at right. that point in time, right. yeah. but it highlighted how they were treating each other, and it wasn't mm. serving each other. Right. I guess that my perspective is, like you said, Mush, that the production team, the monitor engineer in the front of house, he's there to serve, I guess, Jesus first and then perhaps the congregation yeah. next and then the team after that. And the people on the platform are there to, the same thing, there to represent God, to yeah. serve the congregation and lead them into the presence of God and yeah. then to work with the production team yeah. to make this thing happen. We talk lots about how I guess we're all worship leaders. We're all contributing to the leading of worship. If the singer doesn't sing, then they're not doing their job. But if the sound person doesn't turn on the microphone, (laughs) then that singer's never going to be heard and they have to work together to do that. So I feel like they serve each other. I guess what I'm describing hasn't always been the case. And the reason I think it was, was that we had a separate production team to the worship team, to the TV team. And a few years back, we combined them to be one worship and creative team or one creative team, we, we call it for short. And I think at that point, that's where we had to really choose to change the culture. Mm. Not so much that there was animosity or, or we didn't like each other, but just it, we were separate teams and had to rethink how that how we approached that. Well, we were separate teams, but then we came together on a weekend and worked side by side together. So right. It didn't even, didn't even <laughs> make one day sense. A week. Right. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's interesting because there yeah. would be a lot of people listening whose production team is different to the worship team, yeah. mm. which is fine if that's how you want to build it. <laughs> I think it's funny, like you just said, like two things you just said. The first thing is you literally brought the teams together. I think if you want to say that was that in itself was already a pretty big statement and a pretty big, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. I think that in itself. Mm. And I think the second one of these, like you said, we actually do want the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think right. and actually just opening our eyes to go and say, you actually offer the same thing here. So this whole idea of us, them, and my needs, your needs doesn't really exist. Right. Because at the end of the day, when you know when the first when the service starts at whatever time service mm. is on, 
I would hope we're pointing in the same direction. Yes. Yeah. I really yeah, yeah. hope so. But I think more than anything else, if I can remember, one of the things you really have to see is that. I think you and Cass really have to see that it's actually not, there's not competing interests here. Mm. It's one service you're trying to make happen. And so right. you might as well understand that you guys are complementary. None mm. of you guys have everything that's needed for a service. Yeah. Right but you guys have what the other person needs, each of you. Yes. So how about mm. <laughs> we all point in the same direction, right. prefer each other. Yeah. And, I, you know, and mm. here we are, you know, like, you know, however many years later. Yeah. And I would say we're in much, I mean, you've done a whole bunch more, but I would say that's mm. some of the more hallmark things you guys did to mm. at least really, sh at least detach us from that old way of thinking was that. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I guess real practically then the way we've tried to do that and yeah. the way, you guys have helped us with this is around communication, right? Right. And even now, I remember even this week or last week, we had a conversation in a meeting where we were talking about the need to reiterate some conversation where people weren't, weren't getting what they need. Yeah. And it really all it was was somebody had to actually pick up the phone or go and turn up in someone's, you know, in front of someone and say, hey, do you realise that we need whatever it was, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. do you, we need this in order to achieve that. Yes. And at the moment, we're not able to achieve what we need. Mm -hmm. Could you help us with that? And I think, you know, when you have relationship and strong communication like that and you are heading in the same direction, it's easy. Yeah. But when you let distance sort of come between you and, those conversations mm. don't happen, then it's so easy to lose the unity. And then you, once you lose the unity, it's so easy to then lose the culture and, yeah. and not achieve what you need to do. Mm. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting question from Amber. She says, how do you call out or correct creatives while being aware of their sensitivities? Oh, I think that's kind of pretty case by case. It just depends what, what you're talking about. If this is like a specific thing with a person or like a general thing in a mm. team. I think that happens. So let's sort of read between the lines a little bit. I'm quite happy to yell across the sound desk for you. You just yell, yeah, yeah, yeah like that example. <laughs> yeah, <right. it's> <laughs> I think it's an the language is interesting about yeah. calling out or correcting. It's in, yeah, I was, I was going to say that. About I would that. say, how do you encourage people towards yeah. something different? And right. yeah, yeah. If I was going to kind of you know do a bit of an I guess dissect that, I would say already I think the stance is potentially misguided a little bit, if I can be as bold as saying that, because I think calling out mm. already implies confrontation and me telling you why you're wrong. Mm. And even though inherently you might need to do that, yeah. I think the thing is, the thing you want to do more than that is actually help somebody get better. Right. And that sounds like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but seriously, that it is. Mm. Because I think approaching problem solving from a, from a point of calling you out versus I need to help you get better, mm. it changes the tone of conversation. It changes what I'm actually trying to, how I lead the conversation. Mm. Because calling out involves me just putting, exposing what's wrong. Yes. Right. But I, that's just step one. There's like nine other steps, if I really am committed to you, that involve you getting better at what you do. Mm. I think stopping at calling out means I'm just going to, open the bag, let the stuff fall out, and we're all going to stare at it. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, <laughs> then what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. I guess what I'm saying is like, it's always going to be a commitment to the person. Before, If I'm going to choose to have a conversation with you about something that wasn't quite right, yeah. I'm not going to have it if I have no, if I don't have your best interest in mind or at heart. So then practically, Annie, say there's a vocalist who isn't learning the lyrics, for example, and you have a cultural value as a leadership team where you want the singers to know the songs. Mm. How do you approach someone knowing that they might be a bit sensitive about it? 
I would just have a conversation, not publicly, like really practically. Mm-hmm. I think about how well I know that person or do they have a, like a direct oversight that they have a lot better relationship with that maybe yeah. it would actually make more sense coming from them and just chat about why some of the things that we do are important, like why it's important for us to know the songs and, and come because it actually helps us bring our best because mm. we're confident when we know the lyrics and because church deserves our best. And I think you can like, we have to get good at judging what is like, a sit down conversation and what is something you could just address and cover it? Like this is a bit of a sidetrack, but one thing Cass does every year that she does really well, but it's really lighthearted mm. is the beginning of our year. Like our first team night, we often have a lot of new students mm-hmm. new on the page yeah. or people just new to team night. And I know there's people in our church that other people know, maybe have seen on social media or know before they actually have a relationship with them. Mm. She gets up and she just says something along the lines of like, Great. Welcome to the team. You are part of our family now. We're all family. We don't take photos of people. We're not weird because we're just on the same team. It's not this huge correction yeah. weird thing. It's right. just this kind of like yeah. lighthearted addressing. Mm. This is a cultural thing. Yeah. We're all family. This is how we right. treat each other. Yeah. So I think you look at your situations and judge what does it require. Right. Which is great. I think that we use team nights like that quite a lot and Mm. gatherings where there's multiple people to talk about things more generally and to, again, back to the why would we want to learn the lyric or why would we want to not do a certain thing or to do a certain thing. And then sometimes, though, there is a specific situation where someone is, um, I don't know, perhaps dressing inappropriately for the platform or something like that. And I guess in my experience, more often than not, as a leader approaching it with humility Mm. and not with a sort of correction mindset coming to them and often, more often than not, they're really grateful for coming and talking to them about it and calling out better in them or slightly realigning their thinking about something. Mm. And I guess having a conversation rather than a lecture (laughs) can be helpful. I feel like often when you approach something with like, if I needed to catch up with someone, someone maybe new to our team or My first thing is, how are you finding things on our team? How are you going on our team? Often, just in asking a question, you're going to find, I'm actually having such a hard time. I have no confidence. When I turn up, I feel nervous. And then I go, okay, that makes sense why that happens. And I'm actually getting a bit of understanding before I'm just trying to uh, fix a problem. I'm thinking about what is, I Uh have the person's best interest. Mm. And sometimes you don't, it all makes sense and you don't need to do a whole lot. I think you're exactly right. I think- out of immaturity in the past, I've gone straight to, no, I need to achieve a task and mm. you're not helping me achieve that task. Right. And I'm going to have to be responsible to someone else, you know, my oversight, because you're not achieving my task. Mm. Rather than, like you say, having a conversation, finding out where the person's at, why it is they're approaching something the way they're doing it, right. whether that be they're, you know, they're, they're turning up late and it's because they have a, another, um, like they're working that day yeah. or something and they have a shift they can't get out of and that's because of other circumstances and there's, you know, often, like you say. It's usually the case anyway. Oh, yeah. Like there's always a reason for why people are the way they are, particularly if you have put out there a real strong sort of culture. You know, if you've set the vision and someone's not sort of living up to that and everyone else is, Mm. there'll be a reason, so... You know, like you set the vision and you say that, but I think it's actually just as important to set the vision of constant improvement in the fact that we actually... On this team, when someone joins a team, on this team, part of what we do yeah. is we look for feedback from each other and mm. we do address things to for the sake of each other's yes. getting better. Yeah. So it's not like something that ha- that's out of the norm. If I come and talk to you, it's not something that's happening out of the norm. Mm. It's just what we do. Yes. Mm. A conversation about you getting better is mm. not out of the norm. Mm. It's just right. what we do. Yes. But you said that when someone joins a team, part of them understanding the vision, the outcomes and what's expected mm. 
is also understand that, hey, from time to time, as necessary, we have some conversations and look at how we can do things better and how we can help you do things better if you're not quite where you need to be. Yeah. And so when it happens, it's like, oh, I can, I know this was spoken to me about. I know why this is happening. It's just part of what this team does. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm welcoming it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. great. So Miguel asks, how do you create a creative culture with people who think they're not creative? Probably need to start off by speaking that into them. If they've already disqualified themselves from being creative, then they're not going to feel like they have much to bring. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, a lot of people do that, right? Mm. If you say, oh, are you creative? They'll say no. But you go, but you play guitar and you Mm. sing and you, (laughs) like, you paint sometimes. Or, you know, maybe that's too far. Maybe they don't do all of that if they're saying they're not creative. But, But oftentimes people just don't associate themselves with whatever the mindset of what being creative mm. is. And like you say, you can speak that into them. For sake of time, I'm going to move quickly. We've got like a bunch of questions and I figure just if we can answer like in a couple sentences, just like a lightning round, that'd be great. Practical, real practical answers as much as we can. So Emily asks, Emily and Elijah, they say, how do you cultivate humility? I think you first model it. Perfect. Exactly. Okay. Tay asks, I see a lot of fun and goofing off, (laughs) being weird and silly. Does it help keep you humble? Yes. (laughs) Great. These are the lightning rounds. Okay. (laughs) If there's Uh, more needed, let me know. (laughs) Ian asks, the influence of secular culture, if you could talk about that in both a positive and a negative way, secular culture, how does that influence us as a church? In the world, not of it. Right. The Word of God in Corinthians talks about using everything we can that some might know Christ. And so there's things that we might take from the culture around us. Like you say, we might be in the world but not of the world, but that doesn't mean we can't sort of redeem some things to the glory of God and utilize sort of things that people might know in the culture Mm -hmm. in order to point them to Jesus. And we'll do that all the time, but also at the same time, we're pretty picky as to what we might use and not use. People might not like our choices, but we do think about it quite a lot. All right. Kendra says, what are some disciplines that creatives in the church should have? Read your Bible. Yeah. Practice whatever your craft is. Yeah. Don't neglect the rest of life surrounding your craft. Hmm. Awesome. Caleb asks, how do you best gain trust from your leadership? I think be consistent, keep doing the same thing with what you're given. And then often what you're given grows because you're trusted. You can't, it's not instant. You've got to build it. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Last question, guys. Kwaku asks, how do you ignite creativity into an already established and mundane system? Vision. Get in front of everybody, get everybody seeing what things could be. Yeah. I think my answer to that would be to go back to the Word of God and look at all of the times that you see creativity because mm. it's all over the scriptures that the prophets were, you know, reimagining a, a better future for Israel. Jesus right. uses stories and metaphors and pictures all the time. And so I think that there's creativity even in the most mundane situation, you know, in the Bible. And therefore, we can get a vision, speak the vision, model the vision and trust God that he'll, I guess, open people's eyes to the creativity that's perhaps already there. Anyways, hey guys, I've really appreciated you coming and answering all these questions. We've got lots to talk about when it comes to culture, building culture, being the culture. So I appreciate you. 
Man, and we're still working it out, but thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. that's Probably 100% the truth. Yeah, but thanks, and I hope it's useful to you guys, the listeners, and uh, talk to you soon. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that and that it helps you with your creative culture in your team or even personally in being the culture that you want to see. If you'd like to hear more from Mashiri, we interviewed him in episode 37 and I'd highly encourage you to go back and check that one out. And if you'd like to suggest a topic that we cover in one of these episodes or if you have a question you'd like us to answer, then let us know by jumping on Apple Podcast, writing a review and including your question or your topic in the review. We'd love to hear from you. It's always great to get the feedback and also to give us direction on where you'd like us to head. That's it for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and it's been useful for your journey. If you haven't already, I'd love to take a minute just to encourage you to subscribe. When you do that, you become part of our growing community of creatives who are trying their best to live out their faith through their creativity. So join us anywhere you find your podcasts, subscribe, and then you won't miss out on anything. And I always love to hear from you. So please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It helps with the visibility of the podcast and it lets us know what you think, what you're enjoying, and where we can go with the podcast in the future. Aside from that, you can write to me on Twitter, at Rich Langton, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.